Welcome to CU Anschutz 360, a podcast about the CU Anschutz Medical Campus. We feature faculty, staff, and students on our campus and their interesting and innovative work. Today, we're in the desert of southern Utah, meeting with members of a Martian crew during a rare break from their rigorous training exercises. They are participating in a new Medicine in Space Maymester course, which is a collaboration between the School of Medicine at CU Anschutz and the Department of Aerospace Engineering Sciences at CU Boulder. So let's go around the Habitat building and introduce you to a few of the members of the Two Mars crew. I'm Erica Armstrong. I am a distance graduate student at the University of Colorado Boulder in the Aerospace Engineering Sciences program. My name is Allie Anderson, and I'm an assistant professor of aerospace engineering and a adjunct professor in physiology at the University of Colorado Boulder. My name is Ben Easter. I'm an assistant professor of emergency medicine at the University of Colorado School of Medicine. Ben and Allie, you're co-teaching a class here. It's called Medicine in Space and Surface Environments. And this is on a very different kind of campus compared to what you're accustomed to, say at CU Boulder, CU Anschutz. Describe why this structure we're sitting in here, as well as the landscape around this structure uh, here in southern Utah, are perhaps an ideal environment for teaching a class on this subject. So we are currently sitting in the HAB at the Mars Desert Research Station um, on campus uh, outside Hanksville, Utah. This is a um, uh, Mars simulation research facility. Um, that's used by crews to study any aspect of a possible mission to Mars. There's a habitat, a science lab, um, multiple observatories, and then opportunities to perform um, extravehicular activities or EVAs to go out and explore the Martian environment. What we were really looking for with our course was an opportunity to get outside of the classroom Mm -hmm. and really... uh, put students into a simulated environment to gain some experience of what these lessons would be like in, uh, in the real world. And especially for uh, these engineering students, you know, we're trying to use these simulation-based mechanisms, which are not typical in our curriculum, but it's sort of a technique drawn from medicine, and that's really the emphasis of the class. So it's kind of the, the perfect environment to really study that. And how does the offering of this class tie into the much larger goal of making space exploration safe and feasible for humanity in general. You know, that seems to be the overarching long-term goal. The students that we have here are uh, all engineering students, but who are dedicated to moving human spaceflight forward uh, in whatever capacity that they can. And so the emphasis is really on trying to be interdisciplinary and having mm-hmm. them learn uh, what operations is really like, what biomedical engineering is really like, and what medicine is really like. So that way they can take that and turn that into a better engineering practice for them later to help contribute to human spaceflight. Just to add to that, at, though I work at Anschutz as an emergency physician, the other portion of my job is actually working at, uh, at NASA as a physician. And unlike a hospital, NASA is an engineering organization. And as uh, someone with medical or healthcare training, you're certainly in the minority when it comes to your expertise. So this course was really about bringing those two disciplines together to improve what we can accomplish in human spaceflight. And uh, speaking of the inevitable time, it seems that humans will venture to Mars. Uh, What are some of the key challenges of aerospace medicine as they apply specifically to Mars? 
the most significant is the distance from Earth that Mars is. And it, it sounds simple to say, but it, it really is the challenge. Though we think of the International Space Station as being really far away from Earth, it's really only a few hundred miles above the surface of the Earth. Mm -hmm. And in a really bad situation from a medical standpoint, we could have the uh, crew back home on Earth and potentially within a hospital within a matter of hours to days, depending on the situation. When we talk about going to Mars, we're talking about transit time of maybe six to nine months and a multi-year mission. And whatever resources we take with us when we leave Earth are what we're going to have with us for the entire time period of that mission. And we're not going to have any ability to evacuate and probably minimal to no ability to resupply. So when we think about how we need to design and scope a medical system for that mission, it really needs to be much more comprehensive than what we have in our, our current paradigm with the International Space Station. I understand it as the uh, class has unfolded this week, Ali, I, I understand you taught a lecture on the biomechanics of spacesuits. Yeah. And, and in fact, I taught it twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> Terrific. And, and so, and and how they perhaps cause astronauts to possibly tire more easily than necessary or, or just perhaps are more clumsy to them than are necessary. So I'm curious, uh, what are some other examples of how aerospace engineers can help advance and improve aerospace medicine? Um, so I, just as an aside, I was laughing about the EVA lecture because I used that lecture to trick the students twice <laughs> to uh, surprise them with some EVA simulations that we did. So that's what that comment is derived from. But uh, yeah, so aerospace engineers, you know, the a lot of the medical issues that are going to happen in long duration missions, say to Mars, are really because we are putting healthy humans into an extreme environment that is an engineered environment. And so we need to design technologies that can measure and mitigate some of those medical issues. And I think that that's something that a lot of these students hadn't really thought about before because it's not part of traditional aerospace curriculum. And so at CU Boulder, we have a bioastronautics emphasis and all of these students are kind of interested in that aspect of it. So we kind of really opened their eyes to what some of those some of those challenges are. But really uh, looking at medical device development, looking at designing a spacecraft environment that is healthy for humans and designing countermeasures such as exercise devices uh, that can help us mitigate physical issues that astronauts might have. Now, I understand another course that you folks teach out here is our courses for for healthcare professionals. And, and uh, they come out and do simulations as well. Um, and so both of those, you know, healthcare professionals and students, the goal seems to be to teach them the challenges of an operational environment, um, put them through practical simulations and situations and emergencies that could happen in space. Um, I'm just curious, why are these exercises so important to the program? Much of the training that uh, physicians and I, I think many engineers have, certainly the initial part of it is in the classroom. And then on the medical side, maybe in a hospital, on the engineering side, maybe in a lab. And it can be very difficult to envision some of the challenges of a real world operational environment when you are working in that type of situation. When patients come into the ER to me, they've already... Um, Paramedics have already seen them. They've started an initial workup. They have an 
IV line that's already in place. They already have a set of vital signs that paramedics mm-hmm. have already started to identify the problem. And so I get a uh, patient who's already very nicely um, packaged and start, someone has already started to think about um, and diagnose and treat that patient. And what I've missed is the entire situation that the the paramedic has mm. learned in the field of seeing the scene of the car accident or what the weather was like or seeing what a patient's home might look like and what the dynamics were with their family. By way of analogy, we're trying to do a, a very similar thing here, which is to take that learning so it's not just happening in the classroom or working on a project is not just theoretical or testing that happens in a lab, but to actually bring folks out and and show them what the challenges are of having 10 people on an EVA working on a single radio or communications frequency or how difficult it is to navigate uh, in unknown terrain, even if you have something like a a GPS unit. How do you prioritize multiple different um, issues or challenges within the scope of an EVA? And how do you work on a team? those are all challenges and lessons that you can get from an operational environment that I think are very difficult to get from a classroom. Great. And so uh, Erica, as one of the students who's gone through many of these EVAs this week, I'm curious, just uh, what have you thought of these and what's been your big takeaway from from going through these multiple uh, simulations? Honestly, the biggest thing is it's just been a ton of fun. Um, This is really an opportunity that you don't get anywhere else. I haven't seen any other classes like this at any other schools. A neat thing that's been uh, a neat thing to see has been watching the students in the class, myself included, um, just grow and change over the course of the week. The best example that we talked about today was the first EVA that we did as a full class. We had 21 people plus on comms, and it was a disaster. <laughs> Everyone trying to talk to each other, and we couldn't get anything through because the comms were cluttered with a bunch of extra information and today we did two of them almost flawlessly as far as comms go at least and so just picking up on small things that we've learned from our classmates and from the instructors and being able to have the chance to incorporate those over multiple EVAs over a week has been a really awesome opportunity. <clears throat> have you ever been through a course of this nature where you where you notice things just building in a very hands-on way like that? Not at all especially not in the hands-on nature um, and that it's you know, you dive into the first one kind of headfirst into the deep end and you think there's there's no way I can figure out how to do this. It's gonna be it's gonna be like this the whole week. And then by the end of the week you've you've learned a lot, you've figured out quite a bit. And I think by the means of that hands on nature, it gives you the opportunity to really put those new skills to the test and that's really what helps reinforce what you've learned in this class, I think, is the hands on EVA, just the that ratcheting up of the simulations. And you guys have also dealt with a fair amount of uh, weather <laughs> adversity this week. We can't let that go. Can't let that go by the wayside. Uh, how has that been? And and is it just uh, you know has that done anything to the experience too for you? It's added to it for sure. Um, we keep talking about these isolated extreme environments, and what better than to throw a group of twenty one college students out in the rain and the wind and the cold and have them figure out how to deal with it? Yeah. We came out to. Utah in the middle of May expecting, you know, 90 degree weather and said we have rain in 40s and we had to figure out how to make that work. And we did. We absolutely did. I think the second night here we had multiple tents blow down. And so one by one, we put them all back up and we we've still we survived the week. (laughs) It's one of the most awesome team building experiences. (laughs) and We didn't even plan for it. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's impressive how all of you seem to have really come together because uh, we've been here several days with you, and it's really been uh, very impressive to see how the team work uh, dynamic has evolved a bit. Uh, ben, you're part of the Human Research Program through NASA, which is responsible, as I understand, for looking at the risks of putting humans into space and doing re research to minimize those risks. Uh, just can you put into words how do you how do you do that? Uh, buy down those risks. Yes. So um, within the human research program, I actually work for a group called um, Exploration Medical Capability, um, which handles a number of those different risks, but probably most predominant among those is the risk of developing acute medical conditions during, uh, during flight. I think one of the really interesting things about this course is that our approach to handling that risk is actually not an approach that comes from medicine despite our training in the, in the clinical bent of that group at NASA. It's an approach that comes from engineering called probabilistic risk analysis. Hmm. And so the way we use that is we take medical subject matter expertise and then use this um, mode of analysis that's really common in engineering so that we can translate that expertise coming from clinicians to the language of spaceflight and the language of NASA, which is, is predominantly an engineering language. So it, it's been very important for me personally and for our group to learn how engineers uh, think and talk about risk and buy down risk to be able to, like I said, do that, that translation from medical expertise to the language that the rest of NASA is using. And I heard that um, somebody commented this week that a large part of this course is uh, by nature blending medical speak with engineering speak. Absolutely. Just finding a balance. Would you, would, you would agree with that? Absolutely. Alan? I mean, Ben and I and the other instructors have known each other for a couple of years, and this has been sort of stewing for a while, building from some classes, like you mentioned, that they had already done with uh, medical doctors. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all see very, very much the need for that interdisciplinary crosstalk, cross-training between the different groups. And I think that that was really the motivation for us to go ahead and, and kind of commit to doing this because it, you know, we weren't sure if it was going to work. And I think it's actually been very, very successful. And I can really just see just how much the students have learned. I've had, <laughs> I've had students come up and be like, well, now I'm thinking about medical school or biomedical engineering, you know, and it's sort of opening their eyes to things that they, they didn't realize uh, they could work on as aerospace engineers. Because I think, you know, everyone who's here is really passionate about human spaceflight and interested in solving those problems and then kind of realizing that actually you can bring in a lot of different disciplines to work on the same challenges. And uh, as I understand it, with the courses that you've done exclusively for the, the healthcare professionals, the doctors who've come here to the same um, the Mars uh, Research Station for training, you know, they've come from all over the world, as I understand it. So what does that tell you about the level of interest in this kind of training? Yeah, we, we have had folks come from all over the world. My, my favorite story is of uh, Australian, um, an Australian ICU physician who his wife bought him a continuing medical education course here as an anniversary <laughs> gift. Wow. So that was a, a real compliment to me that, uh, and, uh, and the other uh, instructors that set it up that a normally very dry thing, continuing medical education was actually something that was worthy of being a, uh, a anniversary <laughs> gift. So we were, we got a pretty good chuckle out of that. What do you That's think, good. Erica? You think it, it's gone over well for the students? I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know it's been a lot of fun for everyone here. 
And do you think, so there will be no problem gaining interest for students to continue to uh, enroll in this course? No problem at all. (laughs) I I had people asking me already before the class even started if Allie was going to do it again next year. (laughs) We're just going to have to somehow keep all the students quiet about what exactly the (laughs) scenarios were that we threw at them because we don't want the secret sauce getting out. (laughs) No one's going to trust me anytime I give an EBA lecture. They're just going to be like, yeah, Allie's lying to us. There's no way. (laughs) Even in Boulder, they'll just be like, "Uh, something's coming. Right, yeah, when we go back. I'm curious how I thought I heard some uh, banter back and forth about the names of these EVAs. Do you guys like sit around and come up with creative names for these EVAs as well? <laughs> so um, uh, Rick Cole, who uh, has been a uh, mentor of mine, is an emergency physician and flight surgeon at NASA um, and has been involved with our physician course and was here earlier this week. Rick is a pretty prolific namer of, uh, of things. So there's a lot of clever names um, around um, Tim's Peak is actually a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a pun because the um, one of the first times we were out here, Tim Peak, who is a British astronaut, was actually oh. flying on the International Space Station. Okay. So we climbed to okay. the, the top of this outcropping, and, and Rick had the great idea of naming it Tim's Peak. So, okay. yeah, that's one of the ones I, I thought I heard on EVA called Tim's Peak. Was that which one was that? By the way, did you do the Tim Speak EVA? We we got it done with uh, one group early in the morning, and then okay. unfortunately we had some weather and <laughs> lightning roll in, so we were oh. not able to accomplish it with the second group, unfortunately. <laughs> well, so Ben, with with the work with NASA and the the human the ex exploration medical capability and the uh, you know where you're the deputy element scientist there's a lot on your your plate and the, the the problems you're looking at are pretty enormous i'm just wondering any of these keep you up at night thinking about the answer is certainly yes um so i i think by by far the largest one we work on is the one i was referring to earlier which is the acute medical conditions oh, that okay. occur um that occur in flight but but fortunately, the, the human research program has this very broad um, set of folks who are working on these problems for us. And these are folks working at NASA and then um, external or extramural um, funded researchers like, uh, like Ali is who are actually doing a lot of the work. And then at the human research program level, we're kind of coordinating a lot of this external work and providing scientific direction. But fortunately, there's fantastic teams, and um, CU, CU Boulder is certainly one of the leaders um, in the world in this field of, of doing the actual research and, uh, and work that's helping NASA to buy down those risks. Um, and these are just a couple of observations just about spaceflight in general that I thought all of you might have, have a thought or, or two on. So I was reading that Richard Branson of uh, Virgin Virgin Galactic has said that one of the he thinks one of the beauties of space exploration is how it brings humanity together, and I'm curious if you all agree or disagree with that, and why. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with that, and I think that if you speak to any astronaut about their experience, their experience viewing the world from that position, I think you'll unequivocally hear the same. Um, You know, we've seen time and time again how uh, international cooperation is facilitated by building these large engineering structures that are complex systems in space, and they have to be maintained because people's Mm -hmm. lives are on the line, despite whatever international tensions that we might have. And I think that, you know, the more that we sort of use it as a mechanism to bring us closer together, the more successful that we'll be in doing amazing feats for human spaceflight. 
it's just space is it's one of those things that's far far off in the distance but it's still it's so cool and everyone can pretty much everyone agrees on that point mm. and just stuff like watching watching the first falcon heavy rocket uh land on the pad with the two boosters come down like my entire office was cheering it's just mm. stuff like that that you know brings all these groups together no matter what their background is or what they do everyone agrees that this is something that's worth looking into it's it's definitely interesting in that sense i obviously agree as well i i think that um as humans we have a innate sense of exploration and and desire to climb the next hill and and see what the view looks like from from the top of that mountain or across an ocean and and now that that frontier has become space and and become the moon and uh and eventually on to onto mars and i think something about working working together to accomplish those goals just just satisfy something within us as uh, as explorers and that dovetails right into the next thing I, another thing that branson has has had said and i think it's very applicable to this group is that is that when you set off on an important adventures exceptional people come forward to join in the journey and uh, here at the mars desert research station it seems as though that's what's taking place to to me from outside observer just stepping in and and looking around what's happened here would you guys agree with that I think in addition to the idea that there's an exceptionalism, what I also see and what I think we've definitely seen this week is that it helps people find what it, this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's true (laughs) that it helps them find what is exceptional about themselves. Like you see some students who were almost fearful of a leadership position over the course of the week say, yeah, I want to do that. I want to take charge because I know that I'm needed right now. And I think that that's another reason why the experiential learning is so important. I know I've, I've seen that as well. And just being able to share that learning and those experiences and and learning over the course of the week how to apply that to these new situations. And the skill that you gain doing that is definitely something that can be said for situations like this as well. So not only that exceptionalism, but also the ability to take what you've learned and apply that in these new ways. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see how that's evolved over the week. Well, uh, what's the first thing all of you going to do once you're out of here at the end of the week? <laughs> shower. <laughs> I'm going to hug my dog. <laughs> She'll appreciate not showering. <laughs> okay, well, thank you all so much. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure for us to be here. Thanks for letting us uh, come in. And yeah, be, thank you. Thank you guys for coming. Yeah. Well, we've, we've re- enjoyed it, and uh, we uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, shooting off in a rocket to space someday. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. so much. Thank you.